Your chance of survival increases by following my orders. Your task is simply this. Kill three of your co-workers, or we will kill six others. We want 30 of you dead. If 30 of you are not dead, we will end 60 of your lives ourselves. We need to discuss all our options. We do not have the right to take innocent human lives. Stage 1. Commence. Hello and welcome to Midweek Matinee, a weekly movie podcast where we discuss one film and uh, all the way from things that we liked about it, things we didn't like about it, the thematic elements that we find in it, uh, and so much more. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Chris Figs. Hello, everybody. Mr. Blake Popst. What's going on, people? And last, but as we always say at this point, certainly not least, Mr. Joshua Lago. Uh, that is very kind of you, but I am certainly the least amongst this group. <laughs> well, that's it. Now you're you're creating Thank a you. kindness Thank circle. Do, do we need a kindness circle jerk here? Is that how you start off a good podcast? Of course. <laughs> I'm not eating the biscuit. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah. I, you know what? I think we need firm biscuit for this podcast. Yeah. That's what we need. Firm biscuit. No limp. All right. Uh, anyway. I quit this show. <laughs> I, think I, I think I do, too. I'm pretty sure that that last line was just overboard. Uh, anyway, we are ready to go this week with my movie that I selected, and that is The Belko Experiment. So we'll be talking in depth about that. Just a warning, as always, this is a spoiler show. So if you are listening to this and you have not seen the movie, we invite you to go check the movie out and come back and listen to it. Uh, uh, listen to our thoughts and then, of course, share your thoughts with us. But after this point, we will be spoiling the movie. So can't say we didn't warn you. Starting the show off the right way, I think what we've decided on is we always want to land on just kind of where everybody feels so uh the lucky thing here is that we chose or i chose a movie that i when choosing it i didn't realize none of us had seen so we get to really come into this with a completely fresh perspective for the first time since we've been doing this show Mm -hmm. and that is generally speaking how did everybody like the show so i want to point that out first towards mr blake this week blake what do you think about the movie man oh man i actually really enjoyed this movie (laughs) um it wasn't necessarily like an amazing movie or anything, but I had an absolute blast watching it. It was a little slow to start, I think. I think probably could have picked up a little bit quicker, but that would maybe be like my only like, real complaint about it, not like a nitpick, I guess. But overall, okay. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Hmm. All right. Going to swing over to you, Mr. Josh. You're the one person that I think we've heard the least from in our pre-show talking. What do you think about the movie? I think I enjoyed it about as much as Blake did. Obviously, we'll get into a lot of the individual facets of it, but I felt like this was like a an okay premise, a so-so to mediocre script, and excellent movie making, uh, where I, I feel like the actual strengths of the people shooting and just doing everything to put the movie together, I feel like that's where all the heavy lifting happened. And that was okay. So you mean like the cinematography and the editing? Yes. And or, or how and would like you break it down? The sound design, the soundtrack, the use of music, uh, mm. a, a lot of uh, set design choices, even uh, a lot of that stuff really stood out to me. And those were the highlights for me. Whereas <laughs> the actual the the substance of you know what all of those things were sort of propping up, I found to be kind of uh, two dimensional, I guess. Okay, understandable. Mm-hmm. All right, and last, uh, before I get over to my thoughts on it, uh, Chris, what do you think, man? 
I, I, I almost feel like you should play, give your thoughts on it before I speak on the movie because I hate <laughs> okay. I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we keep hearing that, you know. Uh, oh, I'm gonna rant about it, so I almost feel like you should just go first. <laughs> that's okay. I, I'm I'm happy to move up ahead of you, but you know, Appreciate my hosting. That. I was trying to be uh, gracious towards you, but you know I, what? No, of course, <laughs> you're probably right. I am interested to hear what you say about <clears throat> it because. Uh, as anybody uh, wants to get a little bit more of a behind the scenes of how we kind of prep for the show, we have our own personal discord that we all use to kind of communicate with each other since we are not in the same uh, city or anything. And very quickly it was made a, it was made clear that Chris had qualms (laughs) with the movie. Uh, So yeah, before Chris gets into his rants, which I will let you free flow right into if you would if you would like uh i am very much in line with with josh and blake i think that the majority of this movie is not necessarily an amazing script or amazing deepness which i actually think was um the movie acted as kind of a really fun palate cleanser Mm -hmm. uh in comparison to the other three movies that we had done being scarface parasite and the lighthouse which are much more serious movies that have a much or they have more going for them to read between the lines than this did. I do think that there's some things to see here and there that somebody tried to give it a little bit of depth, uh, but it is clearly a uh, more 2D movie, two-dimensional movie, uh, than some of those other ones are. So for me, yeah, I, I agree that the movie was very beautifully shot, surprisingly. Like, not just multiple g- jaw-dropping scenes, but it is pleasant when a movie with a premise like this is actually shot in a way that seems like it was thoughtfully handled yeah Uh, Yeah. so that was really nice to see so that was a big deal for me and i also agree that the use of music was really good in this uh a lot of it was built right into things that were going on in a way that just perfectly complemented them the Mm -hmm. one thing i think that i'll immediately disagree with before we move on to chris's rant i don't necessarily know that it started too slow i think it may have needed to start the way that it did but that's something we can get into as we continue to talk a little further straight up thought that was the best part of the movie Mm, (laughs) oh god well that acts as an absolute great segue into what you mr figs uh have to say about this movie now I, I i should say as much as i want to let you rant just endlessly you should probably not just give literally all of your thoughts away so just uh you, start with it start start with one to two big complaints and i think <laughs> as a group we can kind of break down and okay. share our thoughts so, and kind of <clears throat> bounce on so that we can break those down and not get lost on <laughs> your multitude uh, potentially of, of problems go ahead i almost okay I, there's two there's a lot of things I'm curious about because I feel like depending on where you fall on the 30 versus 60 is dep- entirely um, what's the fucking word I'm looking for it makes how you feel about this movie right like oh, yeah. depending on okay. whose side you're on you like this movie and I was on Barry's side so I hated this movie Are you I hated Mike no (laughs) how can you be on any side other than barry's side outside of the fact that the movie portrays him as the villain he is not i'm not i'm not saying he's a good person i'm saying that in that scenario he is correct i just have one question yeah yeah go ahead how dare you (laughs) be right (laughs) okay objectively losing 30 people that you have to kill is terrible but it's better than 60 people dying. Okay, so I want to take a second. We're gonna, I definitely want to do these 
part by part so we can all kind of get a word in edgewise. Uh, I'll start with myself this time just because I, I, I don't want to <laughs> miss the way I'm trying to word this and I'm hoping I've, I've thought enough on it. Uh, I do like that you kind of view this movie in the sense of your enjoyment factor could potentially change depending on where you fall morally as to the like where you fall in the moral dilemma of this right. movie. Mm. So that is interesting because I think what may have just happened is that we just realized that of the four of us, I think me, Blake, and Josh all sided with what we probably thought everyone did. And mm-hmm. then you probably were watching it thinking, well, clearly everybody would side with Barry because it's the most common or it's the it's the thing that makes the most sense from a purely logical standpoint. Yeah. Um, I, the thing so is, I, well, well, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. I want you to with, if you elaborate. Well, with that specifically, it's like I'm watching a movie, right? So, like when I'm sitting here, divorced from the situation, and I'm watching you kill thirty people or six people die it's obviously an easy decision i don't know where i would be if i was in that scenario however watching the movie it doesn't make any fucking sense that you would stand up in a bill that would you would stand up for your morals in a building that is literally surrounded by fucking metal from space apparently (laughs) like they're making it very clear that no matter what happens you're not leaving this building and you have to do what they say and then they're like no it's so sad we can't kill people like bro 60 people are going to die the reality of the situation which we find out closer to the end is that it doesn't matter but in that moment the 30 people is the right answer Okay, so going back to my thing, uh, you're you're doing exactly to me. You're selling what I think the movie actually, for the premise that it has. I think you're actually giving one of the few things that I think the movie actually gets really, really right in that sense, and in the terms of how it chooses to display its moral dilemma, so that you have a reason to get invested into what's going on. Yeah, and I, and what I mean by that is y- you are clearly looking at it from someone who is saying and I think you just said it, let me know if I'm misquoting you, that you don't know what you'd feel if you were actually right. in the no, situation. Absolutely. But from being a, uh, not omnipotent, but you know, an omniscient third party looking in and seeing everything, mm. you you understand where Barry finds his thing. Right. And then I think other people look at it from the, well, you know what? I'm going to put myself in this situation. Who would I side with? And then you will choose to an extent who you kind of side with. Yeah. Now, the weird thing about this is um, there's a quote from um, Vince Gilligan mm-hmm. about Breaking Bad that interestingly enough i don't think applies to this movie because of the way this movie portrays its dilemmas and everything but in breaking bad he talks about you know it shouldn't be a story about uh you siding with any one person it should be that we're presenting you with characters and you shouldn't root for one character over the other uh and interestingly i think your view you're putting that into this and i i'm not saying it shouldn't work but yet you're using that viewpoint of these are just characters it's right. not necessarily that you're rooting for a character as much as you're just looking at the idea and saying well this is clearly the idea i would follow where i think because of the way the movie portrays itself the other three of us and please don't let me speak for you guys if i'm misspeaking i'm about to cede the floor to uh, blake and, and josh um I think that we're both kind of looking at it because of the way the movie tries to hinge itself. Mm. It was easy for me to tap into what Mike was doing from an empathy standpoint. I don't think the movie did a good job of making this like making it tense at all because it was clear about who the movie favored. 
and it was clear about which side of that argument the movie was trying to tell you was right Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I didn't like because it was Barry and his group were framed as villains, and some of them were villains. But I don't think Barry, who you could look at as the big bad of the movie, was actually a villain. Arguably, he's he would have been responsible for less death than Mike would have been. On top of the fact that in my notes I have Mike sucks like six times. Yeah. So, <laughs> like I hated Mike. He sucked. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, I want to see the ground here real quick to see. I'm going to go to Josh first this particular time. Josh, what do you think about all this? I, I see what you're getting at, Chris. I do and don't agree that the movie inherently takes uh, Mike Milch's side. Like, obviously, the, the whole thing is from his perspective, so it, it it is kind of in that, like, everyone views themselves as the protagonist of a situation kind of role. Yeah. And I, I think that's at the very least necessary for us to be invested at all in this otherwise completely bullshit premise uh which (laughs) doesn't hold up with any amount of questioning if you try to understand like well logically where is the funding coming from who who would do this how do they not notice like how do two guys who work in the guts of the building not notice all of the metal panels that come out of nowhere basically um and side note, one of the most hilariously like bad CG scenes I've ever seen is in this movie, where it's like a oh it's my like an God. outside oh my shot, God. and it's yes, like it's I like wrote that above. in my yeah. It, it looks like micro machines yeah. and like a cartoon building. Um, it's terrible. But, Some of the worst CGI but, I've ever seen. <laughs> but I also understand that this was probably made on a budget. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think one of the big things that I kept running into with this movie is that. Uh, were it not for the style, I, I wouldn't be nearly as invested. And I think it's, I think it's a lot of the the cinematography, the lighting, the sound design, the the music, the overall oh. the editing. Even I, I think a lot of it carries the pace well enough <clears throat> for me not to dwell on the the moral question of the movie being really flimsy. I think, uh, like one thing that I wrote down is this movie wants to pose questions to you, but doesn't want you to ask any other questions outside of just those ones that it's presenting you with. Because if you ask any of those other questions, the movie falls apart. Um, yeah, I think looking at that, it goes back to the idea uh, that movies have dealt with in a long time, which is it, it only gets worse when you have a movie that tries to present uh, like, like you're mentioning uh, bigger questions. Um, mm-hmm. It goes back to like the idea of, a movie like Home Alone, you know, Home Alone <laughs> is like the perfect example of the suspension of disbelief because sure. you have to immediately get past all of the other things that would logically make it impossible for this to have really happened mm-hmm. and all the happenstance that can happen to set these events up so that they can unfold just so you can watch them. Yeah. Uh, in a movie like Home Alone, it doesn't really matter because the stakes are not very high. In a movie like this, which tr- at least skirts around trying to portray a moral choice and make you question what you would do in a situation yeah in a way that other movies don't the suspension of disbelief it it wasn't terrible but yeah there's a lot of times where you just kind of like if you even scratch a little past the surface it, the premise the the support structure of the premise falls apart the premise itself is whatever it's it, you know it's a very face value it's a fine premise but everything around it that supports it becomes problematic but uh bounce over to you real quick blake what do you think man so i don't necessarily disagree i actually 
agree with Chris that in logic, like logically speaking, that is Barry was right. Like, you know, save 30 lives. You got to do what you got to do. But I think that Mike made a better point is like, none of us are going to fucking live anyways. So why are you going to like create a firing squad and shoot a bunch of people in the back of the head? You know, like you're just yeah, gonna. That's not an now answer you're we going get to, in the movie. Like some of your last moments are going to be you remembering that you just shot like 15 people. Does that make sense? So I don't yeah, necessarily absolutely. agree. Like with Barry, I don't necessarily agree with Mike. I guess, but I guess I. I don't know. I see the logic in both. You know, like nobody was going to live anyways. You know, obviously someone did, but you know, spoiler. Obvi- like I, I don't believe for a second that anyone but Mike would have won or whoever wins. But you don't know what happens if they murder the two people at the beginning. What if they murder the two people at the beginning and the light, the doors open and go, "Thank you, we got the answer we needed." You know, like True. the reality is that like my biggest problem is because you don't know. Like Mike yeah. could be right. But you don't know if Mike mm-hmm. is right, and Mike's side dooms sixty people regardless. But, sure, but, but you I, don't know I, if I either is right. Like, when is like no one but, lets people live after that? But you that, know what I mean? Like, what what sane person would let someone actually live after going through all that? But that that's not, I guess, the real point. I, you're right, but uh, I, I'm I, I'm reading too deep into a, a movie about you know um, build office <laughs> office building killing each other but <laughs> yeah. m- the the biggest thing to me is like if they do that they do what they're told they might have survived and those characters don't know what could have happened we know th- and logically sure. they know but you have to take in my opinion you have to take the steps that you're told to take in that scenario especially after they saw that they have bombs in their head if it had been before they knew that fine mike's right but once the people telling you to kill someone if you don't people will die blows up someone's head you i I think you have to do what they say and that's a that sucks that's terrible but you have to just logically you have to well see i go back to what blake is talking about i really love that the movie decided to give you a scene uh with logic presented from the character that you're following as to what his motivations are he's looking at it and saying hey this is why i stand where i'm at you know not past the normal moral dilemma past even past the normal moral dilemma he it's two sides of logic right you're and they're both logical answers and i think that that's part of what makes the movie fun is that you can understand the line of logic that mike would follow is it's very likely and like you said you don't you don't know which one is true but since you don't know which one is true they're equally as you know the two sides are essentially equal Mm -hmm. in how effective they could or could not be so when you're seeing this thing about mike saying hey realistically who would have this happen and then leave a survivor to go run off and tell on them it just right. doesn't make sense just like you know you see on uh the coo side and i don't know how i'm not forgetting you, we just said his name and i've already forgotten it barry <laughs> uh but anyway barry yeah so on barry's side the logic is super sound that hey we're running out of time and we've already seen that they will kill people on the off chance that this 30 out of 60 is is not 
you know, it, it is the end of it. This is all they wanted. And since we didn't do it the first time, they're giving us one more chance with a higher number. The Both logics are sound, which makes them, I think, both equally as viable, which I think makes them both... I feel like the movie actually does a good job of letting you go through for at least the two main people, mm-hmm. which is the two people that kind of spearhead the ideologies. So Mike is the spearhead of the ideology of not lowering yourself and deciding who gets to live and die, which the movie constantly mentions. And then mm-hmm. the side of Barry, who's trying to, uh, one of the things the movie did for him as well that I really liked was that he tried to make when he when he first gathered everyone up he tried to make decisions based off of people who would be most likely to die quickly and he tried to save the people who had children that were under 18 i like that they gave both of them moral grounds and it's just a difference in who you think in which ideology or which um, logical plan you're more willing to follow and i think that makes the movie do a really good job of showing mike versus barry and i like that they both they of course they would they carried them all the way through to the end mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the penultimate thing mm-hmm. um, I, um so i was just gonna say i think we're ignoring like the biggest like fault with the movie and issue that i have at least that i think should be everyone's issue is that would prevent this entire fucking thing from happening why would you let a company implant something inside of your head yep Yep, exactly. I have that uh, in my notes too. Absolutely. Uh, again, suspension of disbelief, right? This, yeah, this I mean, goes I guess, back to what Josh like, had mentioned. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I thought they explained it well enough in the movie that I bought why you would do it. The bigger problem I had is I would never fucking do that. Right. <laughs> I would just not I would just not work there. Exactly, exactly. Like, if, but if like kidnapping is such a big issue or whatever they said it was. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking like, I'm Columbia. not going to work there. Okay, then bye. I'll go back to, you know, where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> right. I agree with that 100%. And I think that was yeah. that, that was what it came down to. While some of the moral questions were maybe a little interesting, I I didn't get invested enough to really dive deep and do thought experiments with it because sure. the, the premise just did not hold up to any line of reasoning like, you, right. like every possible moment where it was like oh here's a moral choice yeah why do they have little explosive bbs in their head or like whatever it is um that was the thing they didn't even look like actual trackers they looked like bbs exactly like, <laughs> yeah you could have at least <laughs> pretended and setting well, aside, to be fair, you, it doesn't say for sure if those are the trackers or if that's something yeah. else they put in, that's or fair. if they were ever trackers to begin with. Like, I, I like in the that back of your head, you would have ex- seen it. Exactly. I like that they try to explain. Uh, I like that they at least try to give reasons as to why you would do all these things. Like, yeah. clearly, the job pays well, so mm-hmm. these people are thinking, "Well, this is a really good opportunity. That's why I wouldn't work anywhere else." Mm-hmm. Kind of like we talked about in Parasite. It's like. It's not necessarily like, if you look at this from the average American, it's not like this is just an everyday opportunity that you can run across. This probably pays really well. Now, of course, that leads to the further question of where's that money coming from. But again, if you kind of structure it, the movie tries to at least attempt to give you a reason to follow this. Sure. So that you can at least... It's not that you will get completely over it, mm -hmm. but you can put it enough in the background to continue to watch the movie without just being like, what the fuck the whole time. Sure. You know, and that's essentially all the movie had to do to make it fun to watch. Now, of course, if you give it any kind of scrutiny, it it falls apart quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. But the movie is primarily just trying to get its to get out of its own way and give offer some description 
as to why these people would make these choices right. so that then you can just go well they've made these choices so now what's going on um but you know i think that yeah you're definitely right there's but i don't think that anybody didn't have that thought of clearly why would people be put in this situation but right you do what you can to get there um so chris yes. i want you to go ahead and go because I want to use you as the anchor for the episode, right? Okay. I want to. We're going to just follow your line of things uh, and offer our own thoughts on the things that you're bringing up, the problems oh, that you had with the movie, exciting. and see if we think they're problems. All right. Uh, and this acts as a counteract for the fact that last episode uh, you didn't have as much to say yeah, about the lighthouse. Mm. So I, I, I like that you're kind of getting to be a driving factor as to how we're going to discuss the show. And then once you are kind of through with uh, your problems, then we can go from there on. Uh, so, anything that we may have not touched do you want me to list them one by one and then you go off that well no we're gonna just so go ahead and just list your next complaint and we'll okay kind of chip in around it my next complaint and this will be the next one because i heard josh mention it twice and both times i rolled my eyes incredibly hard uh he the the music i hated the music i don't Mm. think it matched tonally at all and it it threw off the scenes so much for me where they build this incredibly tense and serious tone of this movie mm-hmm. and then they play this fucking music that doesn't fit it at all and it it wants you to take death seriously and then it basically plays the benny hill theme song over a car crash and it doesn't i i couldn't i couldn't deal with that i thought it was so dumb and it just took me out of every scene that should have been cool every time a scene that could have been dope was on they ruined the tone by playing this music. I don't okay, think so. I'm going to let Josh be the first responder to that since yes. he did bring up the music multiple times. Josh, what you got to say? I don't think the music is nearly as comical as you're presenting it as. I, I get how it, it it could or could not come across to like as that, depending on the viewer, I guess. But to me, mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, here's what's on the radio because it's this is this is what's on the radio here. Um, and especially with I, I think the biggest thing comes down to uh, the movie's particular stylism and while the movie's style overall isn't consistent and it, mm. it kind of tries to explore a few different things and I think there are a few moments where there's a very sudden shift in tone or style uh, I think I think that's just one of those things where this is what distinguishes this from like a more straight up serious kind of you know murder scenario movie where it's it's a little bit it's exploring a murder scenario but with a little bit of a stylish flair and i'm not even saying that that works fully i just think it's consistent with the tone it's trying to establish i guess is what i'm trying to say i i just disagree with that like i don't i think they were i think that's my biggest problem that's my problem with the movie in general is that they were trying to establish a serious tone and it's it's one of those things where it makes you wonder like if uh James Gunn, sorry. If James Gunn had directed this movie, mm. it would have worked way better. It seemed like they took the music choices in James Gunn's script, mm-hmm. but then changed the movie into this... Like, they almost wanted it to be a horror movie mm. in, a, in a lot of scenes. So they I took a horror it, movie and then put James Gunn's comedy into it. I think it, it is a horror and, movie. Yeah, and then they ruined the, the tension of a horror movie <laughs> by playing this music. And while so, I understand your point about like, well, this is just what's on the radio, we're already throwing out a lot of logic to 
like kind of jive with this movie at all, right? So you're making a movie, play something different on the radio. You know what I mean? It, to me, it just didn't fit. Blake, I want to go ahead and let you come in and while I keep a mental tab of the thing sure. I want to mention in regards to this. I didn't think that the music was great or bad i don't really remember much of it to be honest like mm. and usually music is kind of the se- like a second or a third thing that i think of when i think of movies you know i think it's important and i think it's more important than i myself realize if that makes sense but it's just not yeah. something that i really keep my eye or you know ears out for i guess but um i never noticed it being bad if that makes sense i never noticed it being like comical or out of place so I would assume that I think it's good if you know if I never noticed it. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, I, I have watched movies where I've been like that mu- music was really bad, and I watched movies mm-hmm. like Uncut Gems where that music is fucking phenomenal. And this movie, it's like, not, I didn't notice the music. It's kind of the thing about movies. Like if it's good, you don't know. If it's good, if it's good, you don't notice. But if it's really good or really bad, you notice. Yeah, an for sure. That, an instance that I liked a lot was the rock version of California Dreamin' at the end of the movie. Um, and that that could totally just be a me thing, but I like when done well. I, I like that sort of reinterpretation of a song that everybody knows. Well, see, and actually, that goes towards one of the things I wanted to talk about on this. I actually earlier in the podcast mentioned myself that I thought the music choices were really good, but I am talking on two different fronts, right? So the movie exists within two realms because it's set in the real world and they're trying to do things. Um, the music exists from a real world music that already exists that they're putting into this movie and uh, adapting it or, or putting it to adapt a scene into what they want to do with it mm-hmm. and then the other thing is is that this this movie does actually have some original score yeah. um, that I really liked in Same. terms of to, to speak to something that you mentioned Chris I do think that there's some of the most impactful scenes are not hampered by existing normal music that you'd hear out in day and day you know right. your daily life it's actually something that they give thought to uh and the movie that i kind of give it i've compared this to that does it i do think a lot better is that it uses contemporary music when it when it's wanted to do something fun and have this moment and or, or you know even if they're trying to use contemporary music in a slightly different way but anytime mm-hmm. that they go to do something serious they actually give an original score that acts as kind of a theme that ties back through. Uh, Scarface did this as well. A lot of movies choose to tie into this, but I think the king of this uh, idea is the original Shrek. And I know that probably sounds a little (laughs) crazy, but the original Shrek's soundtrack to me, uh, mixed with its actual original score, uh, is one of the most surprising elements of a movie that you wouldn't expect to have that much thought put into the music. So when you go back into this movie, I feel like all the scenes that were the most pivotal to me, they did not try and hamper with contemporary music. If they wanted to elevate a moment in its more serious tone, they gave you serious score behind it. If they wanted to give a a scene a stylistic flair or even in one scene when Barry has everybody lined up and is going to shoot them and he turns, he tells them, turn the radio on. I, I appreciated the idea of, of course they chose that song probably mm-hmm. cause you have to, I mean, essentially you have to pay for the licenses for it to be in your movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But I like the idea of putting a song on that's not fitting to the moment because it's playing into the real factor of this. Like Josh said, this is just what happens to be on the radio 
in that particular scene, but you're trying to just turn the radio on to act as a distraction, something else that you can focus on while you're having to murder these people that, you know, you know, regardless of how well or how friendly, you know, these people, there is some weight. It's not just blind decision. Uh, and, and I really liked that particular moment, but, uh, something that Josh mentioned that about the end of the movie, which was the California Dream and Rock uh, version, which I also thought was really cool. I like that idea. Uh, another thing that I really loved, and I'm not exactly sure that this is what it is, but I would be really surprised to find it was anything but, uh, was the very different take on what I'm assuming was a Spanish rendition of I Will Survive as the opening song of the yeah. movie. That was When dope. he's sitting in the car. And that ties into... I, I guess what I should say, and it's going to technically veer off of music music for just a second. I think that, like Josh mentioned, sometimes the tone bounces around, but the movie does often try to present comedy, which is definitely something James Gunn does uh, mm-hmm. since he did pen the script. Um, but when you're looking at this, uh, the movie will occasionally offer you comedic relief, and they'll either do it through something like music uh, or they'll set up something that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. And that's kind of how I took the I Will Survive, right? Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly funny and almost ironic song to put at the beginning of a movie that we know is about killing a bunch of people. <laughs> and I love that. And it's not that it's comedic in the normal sense of like, well, this is just a goofy song. Mm-hmm. It's comedic in the sense of the irony that it ties into is just hard not to laugh at. Uh, so I thought that was a really good choice and because it wasn't quite the normal song it was like it had a brighter poppier feel to it uh, in a very different way and I think that to me that was the crux of the movie one of the things that I think the movie also did is to away from music just to tie into the fact that it constantly try to tap into a comedic relief um and this is technically going to tie into a scene that I just really liked uh but you know when Wendell towards the end of the movie kills the girl in the restroom stall and there's Mm -hmm. a brief shot jump over to a sign when he slams the door that says please keep stall clean for next user and it's just full of blood to me that's the kind of really subtle but funny it's not that they tried pointing you to it and lingering on it for too long it was really Mm -hmm. quick it was there just to act as a quick like oh by the way don't get too taken in by this movie Mm -hmm. like yeah this is in some ways serious but this is also us having a stylistic flair on something and it's almost like it's reminding you to that this is meant to be a fun watch right so that's where i'm at if anybody else wants to chime in and add something to that um i'd love to hear it Chris, it so I like guess you had something. the one question I had was, did you like that version of California Dreaming because you liked the song, or did you like how it fit into the movie? Because the song's good, but it doesn't. Mm, I just I, didn't think it fit. I like how it fit in the movie. I okay, actually don't enough. care for that song all that much. I mean, it's, it's a fine song, but it's not something I listen to ever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, just, I thought it was really an interesting choice for that part. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like... I just thought it was it came on at inappropriate times like it just didn't fit like I don't know that I agree about the thing where you're saying it doesn't come on at serious moments I think that entire last part where it's playing music and they're hunting each other down Mm. was just like I just didn't think it fit it fit what it wanted 
But when the tension got really high, because it kind of played into like the chaos, right? Yeah. And when the tension would actually elevate to a one-on-one, so I get what yeah. you mean. Like you know, the music that you're hearing whenever you kind of see everybody free-for-alling is one thing. But whenever this, whenever the movie decides to have you know a segment that's, hey, we're going to show these two people and you're going to see what's happening. So when you saw Andrea or whatever her name was, um, Mike's girl, um, when you saw her Leandra. hiding. Deandra, whatever it is. Uh, uh, so, whatever you saw her hiding um, and utilizing and hearing him coming, uh, and when it's, you know, hearing the guy who had the kids who was kind of just bending to the will of Barry, um, when you saw him coming, the the music is not funny. It goes to original score when she's actually having to like sit there and like the score adds to the tension of her trying to very quickly use whatever she can find to unscrew this bolt so that she can use this handle of a paper cutter as a weapon and then uh, the music kind of has like an intriguing flair whenever he walks into the room and he sees her shoes which is kind of like a thing for you to be like ah I know that's not actually her she set the shoes there to mm-hmm. act as a distraction so again I feel like the movie when it really matters and it comes to a more intimate moment like that intimate being a very interesting word probably but i do mean something that's more of a one-on-one or very close counters the movie would pull away and i think would do the adequate thing of of giving an original score that complemented the actions going on mm-hmm. uh, i think that the use of contemporary music during the more free-for-all scenes complemented that equally well because it's not something that's like struggle between one character and one character that's lingering it's his fleeting struggle that's just kind of giving you and setting a tone of what's going on in this particular section of the movie um so that's uh, that's about all i really can say about it so if anybody else wants to cap that off that'd be great and then we can go ahead and uh move on to chris's next complaint (laughs) for me i think the the use of music is uh, again how, how i mentioned the tone kind of jumping around i think there's like a there's the initial establishment of like the all is well nor like it's almost like an office space kind of vibe but like more desaturated and kind of edgy looking and then like that whole midsection i feel like it's kind of trying to do like almost like an edgar wright movie um mm-hmm. but but it doesn't have enough nor strong enough comedy elements to to go to that level of like levity um, I feel like it's kind of playing in a little bit of the same sandbox as far as that goes, but uh, I-, I could see how that, you know, for you, Chris, would make a difference of if it feels like it's dabbling but not going far enough to make it, you know, succeed on that level. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the one specific thing before we wrap it up, I'll just say, is it wasn't the ending scene, it was the firing squad scene. Mm. When they were playing that music, I get how it sets the t- I get why they're playing the music, but the music just didn't work. It, mm. It's weird to I say think this it for this movie. In making it uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It's See, like as soon as you hear it, you're like, "Why would this be the song playing?" But that's because they don't have control. This is radio, and that's why I, I liked it. It was a radio that ran. You know, I, I just thought that was a really, to me, it added to the believability of the scene. Yeah, does that make sense? I. I guess that this is going to sound really dumb because it's a really dumb movie, but I guess I just found it disrespectful. And I thought it was a super disrespectful scene in this mm-hmm. movie that I guess makes its bones on being disrespectful. But so disrespectful. So from within the movie, like the characters, like disrespectful to the people that were getting. I thought it was disrespectful shot. to me. Because <laughs> okay. that's what I'm trying to piece <laughs> together. Because it, so. they're trying to set this tone 
and then they changed the tone and then they forced me to watch multiple people just literally get their head blown off with this music playing it just didn't fit and it threw me out of the movie and that was one of the times I have in my notes where I was like what the fuck is this and that, I, that's where I had a big issue was that specific scene where it just I understand why you guys are like are fine with it but for me I just I, I hated that part huh. yeah I um, okay. I disagree but I understand what you're saying does that make sense yeah no I guess like, I wrote down to that scene I said the firing line scene was fucking rough and I underlined it like four times because I don't know I didn't even way. know yeah in a great way I liked it a lot I just thought it was hard to watch because you said like you said people I mean just one after the other getting their heads blown off and it's a gory fucking movie it's really gory and um I didn't expect somehow that. none of the moments have as much impact as that scene to me yeah that's that was the crazy part yeah. you know and and i think some of that came down to that music you know that that music choice like, again like chris i get what you're saying like it's not mm. fitting to what the movie's doing but it's fitting in the sense of going back into that like the believability is like having that song going on and one of the scenes that really got me is whenever he's behind the young girl who's blonde and she screams and says who the fuck are you to decide who gets to live and who dies mm-hmm and I just love that. Like everything about that scene, to me, that scene, that whole segment is the closest thing this movie gets to that perfect middle scene in Parasite where everything just kind of comes together and coalesces in such a really nice pet way that's like, this for some reason is like the defining moment of this movie. That yeah. is probably the only scene, there's two scenes actually, there's another one that I'll bring up later. That's one of the only scenes in this movie that I think really will stick with me. And I think it's because of how hard it was to watch because of every choice made. And yeah. I, that's all the way down to that choice of music. It, I, I get what you're saying about the radio, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying to Josh is like, in the end, people are making this movie you could have picked a different song and i will say but, about the parasite thing that you were saying is yeah think about is when better the, than parasite i will <laughs> fucking kill you <laughs> belco experiment this fucking podcast um oh, no I, the think about if i'm remembering it correctly think about when the mu- music the like music ends in that scene it ends when she kicks her down the stairs when it gets serious hmm so, no, I mean I get you, but I think we've talked enough about music. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> let's go ahead and bounce around to that next thing. And I, I mean, I'm actually enjoying the way we're doing this because I feel mm-hmm. like it's leading to more interesting conversation because conflict uh, or conflicting viewpoints uh, lead to more interesting conversation. To me, Fight. yeah, Fight. I agree. Fight. Fight. So go ahead, Chris. Fire off. Um, I'm trying to decide which. Okay. So I think this will be quicker. Uh, Mike sucks. Wrong. He's awful. <laughs> Wrong. All the characters suck. No, Wrong. Mike. Mike is the worst. <laughs> no, oh, really Mike, like Mike sucks. Either. I don't think he's but, the worst. I think there are definitely worse characters, but I didn't care for him as a main like protagonist. I think he's serviceable, yeah, Mike, but no yeah, more than that. exactly. He's fine, I guess. He's there. <laughs> yeah. I just I didn't like the characters in this movie. I liked. I think the only character I liked in was the the creepy guy. I can't even remember his name. I should have. That's John dumb, C. But McGinley. Yes, him. Doctor. His Cox. character was the one that I I liked. Yes, Doctor. Exactly. He Wendell, was great in this. Yes. His yeah. smile is just so terrifying. 
Yeah, exactly. Cause he he should creepy. be in every horror movie that has like a monster in the closet. <laughs> it should just be like his smile. <laughs> it should be him in character as Dr. Cox. Yeah. He, he was the one I liked because I, I just thought he was more than just a... Not necessarily a, a trope, basically. Yeah, more like he was a like piece of shit. Girl or, but he was a good or, character. Yeah, yeah. I think the the biggest thing I ha- the biggest problem I have with Mike, and I guess it's more of a, the movie's fault, is that they were trying to subvert a trope of horror movies the whole time, and you could tell the whole movie. You could tell that they were trying very hard to subvert the final girl trope. And it was super mean? annoying, especially when Danielle dies. I was like, "What the fuck did you do all this yeah. for?" Oh, uh, you mean us thinking she's gonna? Yeah, survive? she's gonna, gonna be, be the, the final girl. Yeah. Uh, okay, and, and are, are you talking about the girl in the elevator or the? Yeah, the girl who spends yeah, most of it Danielle. hiding and sneaking okay. around. Yeah, she just died like, just like nonchalantly too. He just like heard the ding, yeah. turned, shot her in the head, and turned and kept walking. It was over. That would have like, that would have been that okay. would have been good though. That Maybe that's just me. I love that. I don't I know, know I, why. I thought it was dope, but I was just like, "Holy shit!" That came out of nowhere. I thought I, like yeah. Chris said, I thought she was going to be the final girl, right? Yeah, but I liked that they that they chose to do that personally. But you know, Same. I don't watch near as many horror movies, and I, or I haven't yet. Mm. So maybe that's part of it. But to me, I kind of liked. Cause I was like. For me, I was kind of getting like I was interested in what she was doing as she mm-hmm. kept going, but I was starting to get to this point of like. I know this sounds bad, but it would be kind of boring if she really does just make it to the end. We would have no attachment to her. What's that? We would have no attachment to her if she was victorious in the end. Yeah, I just... I mean, and of course, by the time that she dies, the movie sets it up to where you know she can't be the the, the final person because Mm. she's only killed one person. I mean, I guess she's above some people, but it's not like unless the other two people kill each other and she just happens to be the last person. It's about the only way it could work, which again, it could have, but it would have been anticlimactic to me. So, Mm -hmm. Sorry, real quick. I did love whenever she was like holding on to that guy and the announcer was like, Danielle, one kill, (laughs) and he like, yeah. stopped hugging her and kind of moved away a little bit <laughs> yeah i also like roberto he was funny yeah so, same thing I, I mentioned about like the movie occasionally giving you a little glimpse of something that happens real quick it's kind of subtle doesn't spend too much time lingering on it but yeah. it pulls you back into that like hey this is just a fun movie i mean hey while we're talking about it roberto's death was the one that affected me the most i thought that was the most brutal oh, way man, anyone in this yeah. movie died Oh, definitely oh, the yeah. most brutal way anyone dies. It was very Final uh, Destination 2. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'll say about Mike, because you know, your, your general complaint was Mike sucks, but that, yeah. of course, goes to all characters. I think that where I really agree with you, I'm not going to say Mike sucks. I'm much like Blake. I don't think he sucks. I just also didn't care enough about him. Mm. Uh, I think my problem with the movie is that they didn't try and give any real or they didn't build enough up to why he was so staunch in his viewpoint mm-hmm. while i still understand the viewpoint that he was leaning to from just a general human nature side of or that hopefully the human empathy where you can go well of course you know tur- you know becoming what they want you to and and killing all these people and devaluing life and all that mm-hmm. but I, I don't know why i feel like the movie was 
trying to act like, oh, well, we're going to kind of give you a reason as to why he's so adamant about this, just to never really provide one. Mm-hmm. And it's a little unfair because I don't, I, I guess that Barry's character didn't need it because his his choice was stone cold logic with very little emotion. Mm. And by quite opposite, Mike's was all emotion with a little bit of really sound logic, but still it was yeah. very emotion fueled. Um, so I, that's probably what I would have liked to see is something that kind of gave you more of a reason as to mm-hmm. what has happened to Mike to make him not be so easily able to throw away the empathetic side or the empathy side and go straight towards the human survival side that eventually pretty much everyone gets to more or less mm-hmm. uh, besides the sweet corn cob lady. That's like the little, uh, <laughs> Hispanic cleaning lady. <laughs> I felt bad for her. That was actually probably one of my, that was one of the deaths that I was like, well, what'd she do to anybody? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I felt bad for, um, and I wrote this down. I don't remember his character name, but I wrote down Merle because I'm a really big, uh, walking dead oh, fan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. his character, when he got hit with the wrench and that fucking dent in his head. Oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. That it was, was just brutal. like caved in. That was my like, I was like, oh, poor Merle. Because <laughs> again, I don't remember hey, his fucking character's name. <laughs> was it just me? Or prior to that, did you feel like the movie was trying to set you up to be suspicious of him a little oh, bit? Oh, definitely. I They're thought it was, of I was suspicious of the other guy. The young guy looked like a fucking creep. Apologies well, to the actor, true. but Jesus. Hey, I yeah, thought he no, was going to be like a serial killer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but He's when they first that, started going down, I thought they both were in on it. Yeah. Mm. I, I guess uh, I'm, because I, I'm a fan of Michael Rooker, so I feel like I can kind of tell what his different way of approaching a character is. Like, him as Merle is a very, like, e- even though he still has a lot of the same over-the-top mannerisms that he can do in any style of character... I feel like Merle versus this character versus like Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy, they're all... I feel like you, you can tell what his moral intent is kind of going in. And this one, I totally just got the vibe of like a worker dude who kind of keeps to himself, but like isn't somebody to worry about. But yeah, I didn't necessarily worry about him either. Though also like my Walking Dead experience was kind of bleeding into that and was like, maybe I should worry about him. He did say the N word <laughs> in that TV show and I don't really care for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, I think that, that probably wraps up characters. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I guess you shouldn't expect great characters in a movie like this and this premise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it. So, so I guess the fact that it didn't quite deliver is not surprising. No, you're right. I, I guess I'll say this, and it might sound really dumb, but rea- the reality is my biggest problem with the movie is that there are no characters, except for two, Mike and Barry. Mm. Mm. I, okay. I would disagree with that. I think the entire premise of the movie kind of requires that these aren't characters that we're like in love with, but we know just enough about to kind of know who yeah. they are as the plot moves them forward. But that's my thing is the movie would have been better if I did because then I would have felt something. I think <laughs> that's kind of the purpose though. Cause like in an office, like when you work in an office or like I work at a grocery store, it's kind of the same thing. Like I know the people I work with, but I don't really know the people that I work with. Does that make sense? Oh, so it's almost like a so meta I, thing. It's like I wonder, yeah, like if it if you're not supposed to know everyone, right? Because they don't know each other that well. Sure. Yeah, but even Mike's girlfriend, which I guess if we're seeing it from Mike's eyes, Leandra, she didn't have anything about her either. 
She just mm-hmm. comforted Mike the whole movie. Well, she yeah. turned on him at one point. Not turned on him at one point, but sided with Barry for a minute there, you know. And I'm not yeah, saying she, she was, was like right. the most well-developed character ever, but I'm saying that she wasn't just like behind him 100% the entire movie or anything. No. That I, that, yeah, you're right. I, 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 I was never right going to like Mike because Mike was not on my side, you know. <laughs> well, so I, I, I guess the short of it is I, I think this movie approaches a lot of interesting questions and maybe maybe I feel like it doesn't lean hard enough into any of them for it to be more than just maybe this is what the movie's going for but I can't quite tell uh, but there were a couple different things that I got like the the faintest whiff of and I wasn't sure if that was one of the main things the movie was trying to convey I felt like it didn't go far enough to really land on any particular one uh, but one of them was like I got a little bit of like a terms of service vibe with like the all the employees realizing after it was too late that they had signed on to some really heinous shit as far as like mm-hmm. finding out they've got the trackers and realizing like oh yeah this whole thing does seem sketchy when you think about it but we weren't thinking about it we were just going oh this is a good work opportunity and I think that can parallel things people do in real life for money where it's like well I'm gonna put some of my reservations aside because you know this is a good job um and I also thought there was a little bit of parallel and maybe this is just me kind of projecting but I felt like the whole social media terms of service thing as far as like how you're basically selling all of your virtual information away anytime you sign up for Instagram, Facebook, Google, whatever um, I got a little bit of that vibe too but again I don't know if anyone else felt the movie was hinting at that at all or not well to tap into that a little bit um, it wasn't quite the terms of service thing though I, I chose to focus on one when I was taking notes, but I definitely agree with you that that's definitely part of it. Uh, what I actually was was kind of putting in there, uh, though it definitely still turns, ties into a lot of the same uh, companies that you were talking about. Uh, my note actually specifically said, I love when horror movies lean into hyper-realized versions of some fears that creep through society's heads mm-hmm. as things progress, definitely in the technological realm. Uh, and I said it makes the film, uh, to me, I think it makes it more gripping when you feel like there's something that you feel like you have some skin in the game on so it becomes a reference point for you and to me it was referencing something that's been going around a lot recently which is the idea of uh you know how easy uh, essentially the the state of uh, we live in a surveillance state because Mm -hmm. of technology and the amount of cameras and how small cameras are how easy they are to hide you you know, there's a constant fear going around right now. If you never know when you're being filmed, even in your own house. Mm. Uh, you never know what what's being seen. But all that definitely does tie in back towards the... Uh, I think that is one facet of the entire Terms of Service thing. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, oh, you probably agreed to this. And or you know you agreed to some of it. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I do wish it would have leaned more into it as like a primary thing. But sure. I realized that would have taken away from the general premise. I don't really know that there's a way to uh, bring those two together in a way that lets them both be equally as uh, resolved, I guess I should say, by the uh, end. Another thing that kind of stood out to me is like, and again, I think a lot of the dialogue kind of worked against this uh, and was sort of clumsy. But uh, I think one of the other things the movie was trying to kind of play around with morally and never really tied it up satisfyingly was the sort of like, uh, not just what a situation, like an extreme situation will uh, force you to consider as rational, but 
I think what tribalism in general, what, you know, your country or your loyalty to any particular cause in general will make you consider and the larger ramifications of, you know, uh, you know, uh, manufactured consent if a country is being convinced that a war is just versus completely unrealistic or unnecessary or whatever it is. I think there was a lot of potential for the movie to explore in greater detail the parallel of like how can rational people be convinced into doing horrible things and not just in this one extreme example but how are we potentially already sort of co-signing on uh, horrific shit because we believe we have no other option and I think Barry was a great example of that where he literally says out loud um, he literally says like there is no other option like this is what we have to do and it's uh-huh. no one forces him to arrive at that conclusion. He arrives there himself, and he's sort of accepting his perception of the situation as absolute and unchangeable. So he's just saying, okay, I have to do this. And then his entire modus operandi from that point on is a thing he's sort of convinced himself of. Yeah, I don't agree with that. They convinced him by blowing up someone's head. Sure, but I think he's creating his own idea of what he thinks will happen if he plays along, and he has no assurance that that'll happen. Right. He doesn't, but what he does have his assurances of is that 30 people will die instead of 60. Well, he doesn't either. You don't actually know. Even though you've seen two people die, now, of course, you're led to believe that it's highly likely, but just as much as Josh is talking about it's that everything exists in a level of uncertainty. So the only thing he can really do and what he chose to do, at least that's the way he's viewing it. The only thing he can do. So the only choice he can rationally come to is to essentially believe what he thinks is going to happen, form his own viewpoint of that and then stick adamantly to it. And that's essentially what the movie leans on for him. And now, but of course, by contrast, Mike does the same thing. Yeah, he's, he convinces himself everyone's going to die anyway, so he sticks to, well, this is probably what's going to happen, so I'm going to stick to my virtuous thing regardless mm. until we, of course, eventually see that break, but sure, there's at least a crutch as to why that break happened, but uh, go, go ahead, Josh. I didn't mean to... No, it was me, but... Yeah, Chris, go uh, I don't know how much more I, should, I really need to say. I just don't... I just fundamentally don't understand the point of like well we think they're gonna kill each other anyway because to me like logically yeah they're probably going to kill everyone Mm -hmm. but you don't know so the real question is are you more comfortable being moral and six and 30 extra people dying to protect your morals or potentially even if they live for 20 more minutes Mm. isn't that more of a moral right to kill 30 people the 30 people that you save regardless you know of if they're about to die if you save their life isn't that the moral dilemma that mike has so what mike does is he dooms 30 people to die earlier than he needs to but i think we all know in the back of our minds and mike even says this early on that just because they play along with this phase of things doesn't mean that there's any guarantee anyone walks out of that building at the end of things so even if sure for the moment they've saved those people and technically they're the ones killing them instead of it being like 
either way, it seems like the death is inevitable. So it's really just a choice of whether you're going to allow someone's actions to force you to get the blood on your hands or whether you're going to let them be the ones to do it. Right. It seems like they ultimately have no say in whether people die. So it's kind of like, I mean, exactly. Right. But that's the point I keep coming back to is that you're a killer. No, maybe. (laughs) Sure. I guess. But like, my, the point that I keep coming back to is that they don't know. So logically, yes, the answer is these people are going to kill all of us. But because you don't know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. you've doomed people who could have potentially lived. Logically, they won't. Again, I keep repeating that. But I personally think the more moral choice is to save 30 people by killing 30 people. Even if in the end they're probably all going to die you don't know that they never say kill 30 people or we're going to kill all of you eventually obviously because that's not the point of the, the quote unquote game but because you don't have that knowledge 30 p- extra people died who for all you know might have lived if you just listened to directions if you just listened but to I, directions at the beginning only two people might have died yeah, but like Josh is saying, it's a decision within yourself as to whether you're going to allow someone else's actions to influence yours to become something that you don't otherwise believe in. Sure. Or if you're going to let all those people die, but at least you either continue to live or die eventually, knowing that it, you didn't go down to their level. Uh, I think exactly. that's Mike's thing. It, it's but Mike could have left. <laughs> could have uh, walked away. Mike could have walked away. I don't want to be involved, and he goes fine. But you're saying he couldn't I don't know. because I they were walking through all the floors with guns, making everybody go to the lobby, and he chose Mike to die. Remember? Right, he chose Mike to die because he shot the, the fuel tank. Sure, but I'm just saying though. Yes, I, I get where you guys are coming from, and I'm definitely nitpicking a movie that like shouldn't Doesn't be nitpicked. To be. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but it just is what took me out of the movie. It's just it goes to show that, of course, everyone exists in different in different realms. But it's just a, it's one of those things where some people are more analytical and logical, and then some people are more empathetic. And your decision is going to rest based off of that. Yes, it's completely even empathetic people can see where there's a reason to want to. And I, it, we keep coming back to this particular thing, but of course, people can see the valid or the validity of the option of killing 30 people so that on the off chance that they don't kill everybody, at least 30 more people, the, the, 30 more people live than otherwise would have. But, of mm. course, the flip side continues to be if even if they kill those 30 people and I'd say the only thing I think the movie kind of did is, and I'll give Barry props for, is that he was willing to bear the burden of being the one who had murdered everyone, yeah. essentially. And it, it, it doesn't mean that it's the right answer either, and that Mike should have just gave up and been like, well, at least it's one person wanting to take on the weight of knowing he's killed all these people. But it still comes down to what do you morally feel like is right. And I understand it's it's like, like in real world, you sometimes do things that seem illogical to further push your belief because you just you're you you fa- you you feel so morally right about this that mm-hmm. it, it would seem essentially like betraying yourself and betraying your legitimate feelings just because you had an easy way out. And the easy way out for Mike would have been 
well, let Barry do all the killing and just go ahead and kill the people because at least he wouldn't have to live with that on his conscience. But then, of course, the flip side is he'd have to live with his conscience of the fact that he let Barry kill 30 people without even attempting to stop it. So no matter what, you're left with a moral dilemma. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, to, again, I actually thought that was one of the strong points of the movie. Uh, within the within the top layer level of the premise itself sure. is that you can clearly understand why someone would end up in this position and think what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I um, I came into this movie and I came out of it not really thinking too much about anything. Like I went into <laughs> it expecting like, you know, with certain movies, like I didn't go into Parasite like, oh, this will be a fun romp through like. I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. But with this one, like, just from the trailers that I'd seen and the people I'd talked to that had seen it before, I expected just kind of a fun, gory, like, movie. And that's kind of what I got. And that's why I liked it so much. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, like, while all these questions and all these complaints are very valid and I don't necessarily disagree with anyone, if that's possible, I, um... Hmm. Yeah. I came away still really enjoying this movie. I don't know. <laughs> I, I did too. And that's really what I'll say is I think that the, and essentially the reason I'm even thinking of the movie the way that I am is because it, it's the discussion being had of Chris's complaints. And it's not that they're not valid complaints necessarily. Uh, and I, I'll go back to you. I mean, clearly this is not what the real intention of the movie was. But like we're saying, if we're going to go ahead and, and look at a movie from every angle, like like Josh mentions, brushing up on these things to where you're doing it from a viewpoint where you're trying to look like you're raising a uh, a, a higher question, mm-hmm. it does start to invite the ability to be like, well, if you were going to do that, this is where you probably could have done it better, or sure. this is where you at least did succeed in a couple of spots, but this is where you fell in others. Um, but I, I, I want to go back to the main thing for myself as well, that just like Blake, I really enjoyed the movie because it's what I was expecting too. I didn't expect a movie with a bunch of moral questions to make me go through and be like, oh, that I left that movie changed as a person. All I really wanted from the movie was a fun romp, and that's exactly what I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with either of you. I will say that, like, this is kind of going to take away from everything I'm saying in, in this movie. But I would probably sit down and watch the movie again because it was mindless. Sure. But at a certain point, like to me, I, I'm I was watching it this time with a critical eye. Because we have to come on here and, and talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is part of what ruined it for me. Whereas if I was just sitting on my computer playing a game and it was on in the background. And, oh, I heard someone get stabbed. Let me rewind five seconds. You mm. know, that might it might have been a different experience for me. But, like, just the way I was watching it. Like, actually, like, trying to think about, oh, well, how does this make sense? How does this work? What's the theme of this? And then sure. coming up with nothing. <laughs> which made me hate it because <laughs> the thing you. is if if i don't i i just if i don't look at it that way i think this episode is probably 15 minutes long right like because <laughs> there's not much to say about the movie unless you look at it not to pat myself on the back and say you guys watched it wrong you know i don't mean to imply well, that because i didn't <laughs> i might not have been implying that but i felt you know i felt it in my head yeah i just i just i don't think this movie really has anything going for it which is not necessarily a bad thing. That's really good for like just sitting down and having it in the background. But and I think that ter- certain movies are just meant to be that. 
And I think yeah, that, for sure. you know, like you said, you're going into it thinking of the podcast, and that's a very good way of going in to think about it. But I went into it thinking about it the way that I would have normally thought about the movie and expecting mm-hmm. to talk about it how I would have normally talked about it. Like, most of my notes are kitchen head explosion scene was fucking awesome. 180 head snap was dope. <laughs> Corporate video during fight scene was hilarious. Like... Mm. That was my notes for this movie compared to like Parasite or Scarface where I'm more in-depth and thinking about the themes and stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, my notes were all, why is this happening? Why is he doing this? Why is this music playing? Why isn't this more interesting? And I think this brings up a question that is good to have, I think, in the podcast. And that is certain movies, and there's two things I'll say about this. To Josh's point, um, of course the reason that i think it's there's there's two things about why we view the movie or why chris and i i did two to a small extent because of the podcast you do go into movies a little differently it's um, it's impossible for it to not completely untaint your yeah. thoughts going in about sure. what you're going to look for <laughs> but at the same point <laughs> at the same point um i would say I didn't intend to do that either. And actually, my notes are not very in-depth. I don't even really have much notes because I just kind of thought we would be end up talking about the movie. Uh, so uh, the big thing I think here is because the movie chooses to not just 100% be a fun romp and occasionally try and bring up a question, it yeah. inadvertently invites the fact that if we have a podcast you're, that can do that, now you're looking at it this way even though you weren't intending to you didn't go into it thinking you'd do that but because the movie chose to not be consistent and it tried to brush questions and be a little sloppy about it you end up having these thoughts and i think that's chris i understand what you got there but i think one of the things for us that this is this movie will be a good learning experience on is that we can definitely go into movies when we choose movies like when we choose a comedy and we can have an episode that's not super analytical and digging into themes and it can't just be us right. talking about things that we enjoyed about the movie mm-hmm. you know yeah. like Nightmare so on Street that, I swear to God if we watch that movie yeah. and Chris comes on going how does he get in their dreams <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> I don't have a problem with that because at least Freddy Krueger is a fucking entity so here's the thing I, I think in spirit in spirit of that I think that this is a good point in the podcast right now to turn around and say hey you know what We've talked enough about what the movie didn't do well. I think an hour and 11 minutes or so in, now is the time to switch you know, our setup and kind of go, Uh-oh. what did you love about the movie? And I think that's a good way to do it. So, Blake, <laughs> since you have a lot of those notes, and I do have some, I want you to start that off. Uh, what, right. what is, it doesn't matter what it is, what are some things that you just genuinely loved about the movie that made it the fun romp that you got? You know, the um, in the beginning, the ant bit, you know, between the guy and the older woman was like, yeah, genuinely really funny. I thought, and um, yeah. I don't know. I just loved all the kills. Like, I'm a sucker for gore and like uh. death and murder and just all the violent, mm. bloody shit that isn't on these kind of movies. So, like, literally, like I said a minute ago, my notes are head caved in after hit with wrench, <laughs> and then I um, oh, one question real quick: Why did they think they could hang banners? After they found that out so that their dumb. heads could explode. Oh, that was so dumb. Yes. Oh, I'm, like, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm now sorry. we'll get back I'm into sorry. the things we well, Hold on. But to give you your little answer of that, right before that, I, I for a split second, I thought that as well. And then I thought, well, the rules over the intercom did not. It said you can do pretty much anything you want to besides cut the things out. 
Yeah, <laughs> and leave the building. Right, but I mean, come and on. All- <laughs> like, they should have known, and then they knew their head was, heads would explode. I don't know. Anyways, things I liked. Arguably, the firing the line scene was great. The kitchen mm. head explosion where, like, the pothead with, like, the five o'clock shadow with, like, no chin. I don't know. I don't remember his name. Marty, How dare you insult Sean Gunn like that? <laughs> <laughs> but he was sitting there, like... 14 or 15 heads just started exploding under all the tables and all the mm. food like jumped and all that stuff. I thought that was amazing. And the 180 yeah. degree head snap I thought was really good. And then <laughs> Besides the, the fact that CGI was a little rough. On the head snap? Yeah. Well, yeah, I but I mean, there's only so much you can so do in that scene. regard, I guess. Yeah. Either that or like have I'll, a dummy or something. I don't know. I love the setup towards it. Uh, you know, having the yeah. woman come up and be like, you're the COO. I know what you want. You want me. And I, I just love that he, like, I, to me, I thought it was really interesting about how how single-minded his answer was. Like, yeah. by that point in time, he was so dedicated to the fact that, hey, all these people are dead now. I might as well just survive. I've already become the monster. I might as well keep it going. Right. I mm-hmm. just love that, like, he chose that opportunity to be like, oh, come here, come here. No, bitch. Gone. <laughs> I thought that was one of those moments of like changing tone where it's like that didn't feel it it feel like the movie kind of has like this rubber band like flexibility for moments of like egregious gore or like egregious violence as comedy and that was one of those to me where it's like this entire scene is dumb and I kind of hate it but it's funny so whatever yeah exactly yeah (laughs) what it's so cliche too, you know the the oh I know you want me. <laughs> well, it's, it, right. That's ridiculous. actually one of the things I actually liked was that scene because it calls back to the beginning of the movie where Barry hits on her and she has no interest, and then she's mm-hmm. like, oh I know what what oh, he wanted, that. yeah, and he's like I don't give funny. I don't give a fuck at this point. <laughs> that's why I, I, I would honestly agree with Josh for that scene was really dumb, except it's the one scene in this entire movie that's <laughs> set up. Yeah, they I do set up one like, scene I gotta and say it's bullets. that one. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say bullets. It's so cartoonish. And just snaps her neck. <laughs> yeah, can't afford to waste a bullet. Uh, <laughs> another one of those weird character interactions of trying to go back to things that were implemented early in the movie, and I actually did like they chose to implement this. Um, is whenever the uh, whenever Barry has the rounded up of a couple of guys who are following him and they get the guns and the guy that Danielle the new chick who starts the movie and hides the majority of the movie at the beginning of the movie they look across and she sees the guy and, and they're like he's handsome isn't he uh, and she's like yeah he's pretty good looking and then later in the movie after mm-hmm. they had that little eye look at the very beginning when he sees her hiding he goes on and lets her stay hiding almost mm-hmm. as like a time yeah. back to be like oh yeah yeah. No, you are kind of cute. We had that little eye thing. So just in case this works out the way I wanted it to, I'm going to give you a little break. <laughs> Did anyone notice if they counted Bud and his friend? I really did. wanted to know that. I because wanted I, to know if, I don't, if they were counting they? Are the you sure? Because I don't think they were. I'm positive. I'm pretty sure they did because they gave Danielle one. Kill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, no, they counted I, I at the end. I'm talking about during the third. During the roundup. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's positive. when they died oh, during did the Barry 30. count their two kills? No, yes. I don't no, think so. No, not Barry. I'm talking about the other guy. I know Barry didn't, but what I didn't guy? think the the guy over the ra- intercom did. Yeah, he because did. I'm, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't Barry, I don't think Barry would have because I don't think anybody registered that they yeah, were down he, there. They didn't know. Yeah, uh, but no, the, the over voice intercom did because that ties back to the joke about uh, – 
uh, Roberto, whatever his name was, hugging mm-hmm. on Danielle mm-hmm. just to back off when they said Danielle one kill. That was the <laughs> mention of the fact that she yeah. killed the guy by kicking into the thing. So yeah, right. it was aware that both of them were. No, uh, that's just not the, okay. That's fine. What, what what do you mean? I mean, well, that, that's not the the part I'm talking about. I know they acknowledged then. I'm wondering if when they when they were say, when they said at, the, at when Danielle disrupts the lineup, they say you have two more bodies. And I, or whatever it was, two or five, I'm not exactly sure. But I just wonder if that counted those those last two, because it just never seemed clear to me. I didn't, you know, maybe I should have counted each person that died in that lineup, but I just I, wasn't I sure if. Clear. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> Who knows? Just looking for flaws, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the things I really loved from a scene standpoint, this goes back to being surprised at how effectively shot and how and how really well shot this movie was in a couple of areas, are just ideas of, like, I wonder who was behind the camera and thought, or who was the mindset behind, like, hey, we could make this really cool scene. I love the scene when uh whenever they have uh mike with the blood dripping tape gun in the silhouette of the projector which i mean it was referenced by blake earlier with the corporate movie going on during the Mm -hmm. fight scene Mm -hmm. but i love the way that that ended up actually looking on screen yeah it was it was a surprisingly beautiful shot when you see him holding it up and it's just light silhouetting him before he just slams it down and it holds I, the scene for a while and I really thought that was like it was I was like man what a weirdly beautiful shot for a pretty fucked up moment I told y'all earlier man this is the citizen Kane of our generation okay <laughs> so I actually I think it's like I thought, the room of our generation <laughs> the what the room <laughs> the room <laughs> is it the room the room of our generation <laughs> no the room is good <laughs> all right josh go ahead buddy what were you saying so i i think that scene was one of the most effective for me as far as addressing like the underlying motives like because I, I was looking for him the whole time i was watching just because like a, as we've addressed already like the movie begs a lot of questions and then makes a lot of answers unsatisfying but i think one of the themes that i felt was really well capped in that uh, in in that final kill scene with like the the tape gun, uh, what was the sort of like almost two thousand one vibe of like uh, underneath all of your layers of decorum, you guys are still just primates killing each other, like clubbing each other to death. Um, yeah, I, I felt like for all of the clumsy dialogue in other parts and all of the other attempts that I think were a little ham fisted to make that point, I thought that was the most effective because of how well it was shot because of just the setting of all of it because of the uh setup between these two characters and their opposed uh moral stances on all of this i thought that was uh i i thought that was a really cool moment in the movie where it just sort of boiled everything down to like it's really just primates killing each other with rocks with extra steps yeah you know what i loved about that is that it was strong in in giving you that without saying a single line no dialogue Mm -hmm. But then I actually really did love the line between both of them. The you didn't change anything, and then Mike saying neither did you. Yeah, I was like, man, because you know we were talking about the war of the ideologies. Well, in the in the long run, they kind of were both right. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, at least in that moment, they were both looking at it like, hey, you didn't change a thing. All these people still died, and you were trying to make it to where none of them died. Mm-hmm. And, of course, on the other side, well, all these people still died, even though you were trying to kill the 30. Uh, I, I thought that was a really interesting way to do that. And, again, you're, you're right. There were some ham-fisted stuff, but that was just a really solid overall moment. Uh, and it ties into, like you're talking about with the whole we're all primates. Uh, I just... I, in a weird way, it's not like it wasn't eventually expected, but I like that they chose to do that between those two in particular yeah. because of the fact that it kind of gives Mike this really weird arc where 90% of the movie, he's a pacifist. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, for this like last 5 to 10% of the movie... He it, it breaks down below everything. You know his reason for staying human, as you'd call it, is gone. His his girl that mm-hmm. he loved, regardless of whether you understood why he loved her that much, right. uh, but you at least understand that something was taken from him that removed that that one layer that was keeping him uh, from killing. Because you see sure. him actually kill essentially no one the whole movie until bam right there and then what i love past that is they follow that up with immediately him doing some crazy like assassin level shit of planting bombs on people (laughs) it was ridiculous and kind of over the top but it was like a i I liked it as a cat move i was like oh so he goes from being the won't kill anybody to suddenly skillfully killing an entire room of yeah so yeah Yeah. i mean I, i felt like that was the only way they possibly could have justified that utterly ridiculous tone shift again where it's like I'm the bad guy I've got a fucked up face would you like to understand the reasons behind this well we're not going to tell you you have to answer our questions and it's like oh my god this is like the peak of camp there better be a payoff so it was nice to just like get these people that we just hate and there's nothing else to it so we can watch them blow up you know you mentioned the guy with the ridiculous face that was kind of campy and like oh of course but the one thing is, is that after everything that happened and then you see his face like that, I was kind of bummed that there wasn't some kind of like reference to the fact that he was a previous survivor from one of these experiments who was yeah. like psychologically uh-huh. turned toward their way of thinking by being mentally broke. Mm-hmm. I really like something about seeing his face like that. I was like in some weird way that would have had that would have made this a little stronger to me. I agree. Wow. So. <laughs> but <Yeah>. anyway <laughs> uh, uh, Blake what'd you have to say buddy anything um, else just about the ending basically like, I didn't really care for the ending very much I thought it was very typical like eh I don't know like I don't really have much to say about it because I didn't really care for it overall well what what do you mean by the ending I guess I should say what, what's the overall ending like once you? he was you know, a survivor is... and once he like the soldiers came in and took him out like that whole scene after that yeah. Oh, you didn't like it? Or no, it, not it, at all. It, it didn't stand out. Like to him you? planting oh, the little beads and the bombs, whatever they are, and doing all that, and the scarred mm-hmm. dude that was like evil and blah blah blah. I don't know. I just I thought it was very stereotypical and very meh overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that, but like Josh said, I think that somehow the ridiculousness of it works within how quickly of a tone shift it was. Sure. And I know that sounds weird, but definitely after that bad CGI we already talked about, it was almost like I don't know where else it could have gone that I wouldn't have just rolled my eyes at, which mm-hmm. I, it sounds like you probably rolled your eyes at that, but I was kind of just like, 
oh, I guess that's a fitting end for a very weird, quick change. Uh, the one thing about the end that I did like, and I'm curious, I, I mean, not, not just love it, but I mean, I was like, I actually kind of like that, is that the very last scene when they're pulling out and you're seeing that this was a worldwide experiment happening yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was neat. I kind of liked that. I was like, okay, because it now it gives the name of the movie a little bit more. It's like, well, clearly you're like, well, it's, this is Belko. And this is an experiment happening here, but it also kind of adds in to this. Um, I don't know why, but like the way they said the ending, I was like, "Oh, so it's almost like an Illuminati group of scientists, mm-hmm. and this is happening on a worldwide scale, where there's probably some people with really deep pockets who are acting as the funding for this." It kind of helped give again with even with how ridiculous it was. It almost like it reinforced a little bit of like the suspension of disbelief we talked about where I didn't have to it kind of answered a few more questions still very very rocky foundation that doesn't hold up but Mm -hmm. it was like one last final thing to be like oh but this is kind of happening worldwide so this is probably a big group and I like that it wasn't just some I had thoughts in my mind that the big bad was going to end up being somebody that you had already seen and that they weren't really dead and I was worried that that was going to be it because that would have been even worse that it was somebody that you already were introduced <laughs> to. I like that it wasn't and that it was hinted at being a bigger group. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, that would have been worse. <laughs> for sure. Um, By far. I, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie, dude. For for, a, a, for about half of the movie, even with Mike doing his pacifist thing, considering that he was the systems person and he knew a lot of the stuff that they were talking about, mm. I had this thing in my mind of like, I swear to God, they better not be painting Mike as his pacifist just at the end of the movie for it to be that he's the final survivor and it was him <laughs> the whole time. That would have straight up. I would have liked the movie more. Oh now, now it's all like, okay. This <laughs> all it's makes just sense. Saul all over again. <laughs> I is actually the person who did all of this. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> hey, you joke. That mean, was legit. Like a really cool twist in Saul, and he was like the dead guy. Oh, just stood up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sorry, spoilers yeah, for absolutely. Saul. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I haven't seen. Uh-oh. it. Uh, but. Here's the problem, though, is that that since Saul did that, which I will agree that when Saul first did it, amazing. Since then, it's become the thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I probably really would have really hated it in this movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Until I saw it, but I probably would have been. I'm not going to say hate, but it would have made me again roll my eyes. I I don't know that there was a. I don't really know that there was a perfect way to end this movie. I think this is probably about the. I think him just walking out like down the the parking lot. I think that would have been better. Yeah, personally. there's no resolution as yeah, to why absolutely. it was even happening. He just gets in his car Lee. and drives off. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm fine with that. That ties into uh, other movies that I hope we get to down the line. <clears throat> I actually like when movies leave like a vagueness thing, where it's almost like no longer is he even worried about mm-hmm. why it was happening because it's like he's lost everything already anyway. Mm-hmm. Why does it matter? No, or he's it's like, no longer important. He's lifting yeah. the uh, the tape thing up, like the scene you talked about that was like really beautifully shot or whatever. And before he even slams it in his head, he's just holding it up in the air. Cut to credit. Oh, that actually might have been I think that would have been pretty good. Hmm. Well, Blake, you just proved me entirely wrong. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for that. I I think, now that you've said it, Mike being the bad guy the whole time would have painted this movie Mm. in a completely different light, and I would have liked it way more. Because then it paints Mike as just trying to incite 
an issue and violence, and that I think f- would have really I, fit well, I what guess the, the movie one was. thing that that would have actually given uh, is you, you know how I said I, I always wanted a reason as to why he was being so staunchly defended about his altruistic no mm-hmm. kill anybody. If you give him, if you do give it from the standpoint of, well, he's the bad guy who's trying to incite this. So, of course, him acting as a linchpin of, or the big turning point of, hey, I'm trying to go against the grain and be the a point of contention to further drive discontent, you know, uh, discontent between right. us. That it would have been interesting because I, I guess that would have given him the motivation that I wanted as to why was he so adamant that he was not going to do this. Yeah, you know. I think that makes sense because like as it is the ending of the movie basically kind of confirms what I think Chris and I have been talking to in different ways of like the movie postures that it has moral dilemmas but kind of when it comes time for the big bad to explain he literally has no like reason like there's just nothing Um, yeah so yeah I I could see a at least an artistic ending like that would have been them avoiding having to come up with an answer entirely because otherwise now it's the, the way it zooms out, right. which I, I really like, I think it's cool, but it, it kind of creates this like umbrella corp sort of situation where it's like, okay, you kind of have to follow this up with sequels and like explain more of this detail. I guess you don't have to have to, but it's like a, it seems like that's where it's leading. Well, that I was going to mention sequels in the yeah. sense of as much as I hate to be this, uh, this actually speaks to one of the biggest problems I have with the film industry in that all movies essentially because of how costly they are and and all these things and people companies don't like to take risk paying for a movie if everybody wants that movie to have a chance of being an overnight blow-up success and then you left door open for a sequel so that you could just do it all over again and push it further and when you get movies like saw and paranormal activity and all these movies that try to that were small movies at one point that came out blew up really big and then all ended up having really intricate storylines it's almost like they were trying to set up for that i almost wonder if some of these moral postulation that happened was intended to be further explored with another movie that could actually capitalize on it yeah it's a good question of did the movie need to be made with the idea set of a sequel being in mind and were they even allowed the ability to do that Mm -hmm. and if it's i hope it's not a spoiler to just immediately shoot down that thing i was just reading a little thing of the director talking about whether there's plans for a sequel and it sounds like there isn't it sounds like it was just that kind of ending where it's just it's the the ending just isn't a closed like it's not a bow tie it's like oh and this is happening everywhere and that's the ending it's not that they're intending to continue telling the story Um, maybe not but of course the average audience member including me in this particular situation is going to have at least a fleeting thought of is this teasing that maybe we'll get to see this from a different perspective i certainly had that impression yeah, I, I guess a good, a, a good, and I don't want to spoil that movie, but a good recent mm-hmm. movie that I think, if it did the same thing, would have been like what, uh, the ending of Maze Runner, and of mm. course, if you like books, you may just know that. Uh, of course, the, the first Maze Runner movie, if they chose to just end it there with no intentions of a sequel, I would have liked it and not liked it all at the same time because you're in this realm of you clearly look like you're setting up for the potential for more, mm-hmm. but also the vagueness almost gives it more. Uh, space in your brain to kind of linger because there's something about uncomfortable endings or unresolved endings that actually make them almost more impactful. Right. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I guess 
it was just I, I do have that feeling in me that uh, and it's something that like Scorsese talked about when he was talking about the Marvel thing and not whether or not they're movies I don't want to get into that but it does come <laughs> into the thing of his conversation and uh, Marvel was just happened to be the the most the biggest example he could point to is that cinema at least like movie theaters and cinema as a whole is not really viewed in the way it used to be in the sense of you could have one-off movies that weren't meant to be part of a bigger project everything right. now is meant to be a continuation and a bigger world that you're constantly expanding on and it makes it to where you can't have a movie that's just trying to be a single movie because mm-hmm. everybody wants something that builds on it and a, a good example of something coming up that I'm both equally excited for but also a little bummed about is A Quiet Place getting a sequel. I really Mm. thought the first movie was great and I would have really loved to actually see it be a one-off but again, it was such a runaway success that you almost can't. It's like, you know, it's it's the problem of where eventually money and success can actually become the death knell of something that was once great because it Mm. gets in the way of artistic Choices. I'm extremely excited for Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love oh, the I, first one. I am, I am too. But can you? I, I mean, personally speaking, do do you not agree? For me, I feel like more often than not, a lot of people would agree that it would have been perfect to just end it at the one. You sure. can get oversaturated of anything as, as much as I love it. And I, I'm going to say something crazy here. I love the Saw franchise, but I actually will be the first person Me to too. say, I think Saw would have been a much more effective thing in my mind if it would have just ended at the first movie. Mm-hmm. I think the first movie is the perfect wrap up. Sure. It, it's, it's beautifully done. It's simple. It doesn't go too far. All the other movies have to continue doing this thing of, and it's what this probably would have done if, if it would have kept going with the Belko experiment is this idea of you've constantly got to one up the last movie and you and eventually it gets to a point where everything just feels too ridiculous and too grandiose right. and not grounded enough to even give you the shock that you had with the first one and that's yeah. my fear of a quiet place too as well so yeah I think they at least set it up better in Quiet Place. <laughs> oh, they definitely set it up. Well, they set it up better by letting it just be like no spoilers, please. Yeah, fair. I'm not going to go any further than that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> does anybody else want to say something about the Belco experiment? I think that's where we're going to wrap wrap up here. I don't. I, I I'll say a couple things. Um, I I hope this doesn't like send us on a tirade. It probably because <laughs> it was something I didn't like, but. Um, uh, I thought ninety oh percent of the God. kills were boring, and I <laughs> thought it was okay. Are you kidding me? Because ninety percent of the kills are people getting stabbed or shot. Actually, it was super lame and super. If we're going to be honest, that's that's okay. That's almost worse because awesome. no, that nobody come did on, it. Come on, man. Come on. How many <laughs> head explosions do you need? Are you serious? Hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Let's let's back uh, up real quick. no. Right. The one thing I'll give to Blake's credit, I, I mean, I do think that there's some satisfaction in it. Uh, it's quick, snappy, and the way they do it in the movie kind of has like a, oh, okay, like it's pop, 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 the way they do it. But I think the way the movie kind of gets around that uh, and doesn't overly rely on that in a way that feels like it's drawn out throughout the whole movie is that the majority of the head blow-up kills, even though it does actually take up the majority of kills within the movie, the majority of those are done in about a three-minute window. Mm. If if even that, like you know, mm. y'all mentioned uh, uh, Sean, um, whatever. I, why can't I remember his last name? Uh, but anyway, Sean Penn. Um, Sean when Gun. you're looking at it, uh, <laughs> Sean Gunn. Thank you. Yeah, yes, Sean Penn was uh, great. When you're looking movie. at Sean Gunn, 
there's like 10 kills in that room in like 20 seconds when he's just sitting there camera zooming in on him saying you know Mm -hmm. it's all in my head it's all in my head and that goes towards the thing of like the movie made sure that it didn't overly rely on that so I I see some of what you mean Chris but I also see some of what Blake means in that I actually really thought that that was a uh, I I like that scene of like just two, two minutes of just pop 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 and kind of blowing up heads and seeing that from different people who are still surviving's perspective yeah that's that's fair i just i guess it goes back to the tone of the movie where they could have just made it so much more interesting you know they could have done so much more with all of that you know john think about this way right what if half the kills in this movie are john c mcginley just going fucking nuts and killing people in insane ways that that's more fun instead the movie is him hitting someone with a mallet or a a a cleaver and then people Mm -hmm. getting shot and stabbed there's like four kills that are different than that and of course the head explosions but they didn't do it they didn't take any risks or do anything interesting i thought the bathroom stall with the kills yeah yeah for sure there's a i'm not saying there's none you know there's the elevator there's bud and then there's the bathroom and then everything else is is just paint by numbers where they could have done something more interesting that's something i put in my notes where like why is the most interesting part of this movie so boring (laughs) and i and on the other side i'm not saying they're the most interesting kills in the world like none of these kills would be in like my favorite kills in horror or anything Mm -hmm. but i didn't think they were boring but you know that's to each their own you know we just agree to disagree that's fair uh, my last note regarding uh, shit I liked yeah. was just uh, when the power went out and they made the very unrealistic but stylish decision to have there be red and blue lights as like the uh, emergency backup lighting mm. and it just made it look kind of like a mm-hmm. you know take your pick of movies with kind of like a synthwave soundtrack and stylish lighting yeah um, I I'd, <laughs> even when it's done okay not remarkably i i love that aesthetic so i was down for them to kind of transition into that and i thought they used it really well especially culminating in that last scene that we already talked about with the projector and stuff um Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, sure i I love the 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 look i I always love that too when you see like us and you notice almost every time that those movies do that they show a staircase because there's something about red backup lights just kind of casting a faint light Mm -hmm. onto like a staircase that just looks really cool Yep. So it's, it's almost impossible to see it and not be like, oh, that's kind of dope. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I thought one interesting detail that we didn't mention was that the logo for Belco oh, yeah. is an eye. Huh. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I actually didn't notice that. That's cool. Yeah. Movie facts. But that is all I have to say about belco experiment the most so awesome like movie it. of all time so you love it huh? here's something we're going to be adding into the end of every episode that we do i do love <laughs> now that we're four toast. episodes in uh, i think what we landed on is at the end of every uh episode we're kind of going to give an overall rating that each of us feel for the movie yeah um and I think that's going to be based off of a couple of things. Keep that in mind. It's going to be how much we liked the movie as a whole, uh, rewatchability, uh, thematic stuff, just things that's happened to us. So it's not just in a rating of watching it one time and just what we think about it. I think that there's, of course, other factors that play into it. So um, I'll start you off, Blake. Uh, what did you? What would you rate this movie? 
yeah i just want to say a couple things i wouldn't mind at least on this first episode or maybe the first couple in case someone skips this one you know saying how we personally rate because i rate more on like you said every watchability and a fun factor especially for movies that i know aren't going to be like you know classics that go down in history as amazing movies or films or whatever like parasite Mm -hmm. you know so you know i rate this highly i'm gonna give it a three and a half stars because Mm. i very much enjoyed this movie you know i you know i plan on watching it again eventually but i I thought all of it was really fun to watch so why okay next up mr chris what do you what are you gonna rate it so i'm i'm going to be uh i don't know man this is hard because i i could see myself putting the movie on in the background so i'm going to give it a plain toast that's my plain rating toast. for that movie is plain toast and in other words i would probably okay. say it's like <laughs> okay. a two star movie i gave it three stars i think it is a it, it's like a two star screenplay made really really well and if it weren't shot really well all the stylistic stuff that we talked about that i really liked and thought worked to its advantage were it not for that i'd probably rate it like one and a half or two stars but because of that i give it three yeah. Nice. okay well i would be the last one and i'm much in the line with uh with blake i think that there's something about and, and this is more interesting because i don't tend to rewatch movies really very often but there are movies that every time i see them essentially if like definitely with the advent of netflix where they rotate on and off i'll just watch them again I could see myself putting this on at some point in time again. And I guess I'd say I'm willing to rewatch it. And there are movies that I don't necessarily know that I am willing to rewatch. I'm, I'm still bouncing around on the lighthouse as to whether I would rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm much, I think much like Blake, I want to, I'm giving the movie a little more credit for just being fun and engaging to me the whole time. Uh, as well as like Josh mentioned, I think the stylistic flares that were used really elevated the movie. Uh, definitely just, a couple of shots that for a movie that also has some of the worst CGI I've ever seen to have some of the best t- best normal shots is really great and surprising. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to give it a three as well. I think um, that that's a, it seems like a good in between because it's not like the movie's going to stick with me in any way other than probably uh, the two scenes that I think will really probably occasionally creep into my mind is the projector tape holder mm. scene and of course the entire chain of events that lead throughout the uh 30 people round up uh and yeah. you know starting to kill people those are both really strong scenes that maybe the movie didn't have to have but i'm kind of glad they did and it's probably the those two scenes would be the movie's legacy for me so three stars i guess we could always add these up and give an average which if i think if we had to give an average right now uh we're at a three so like, yeah i was gonna say two and a half three maybe <laughs> yeah so uh yeah well actually surprisingly this was a lot different of a conversation than i thought we would have uh but i had fun with it nonetheless Thanks, uh, much like the movie yeah. <laughs> hey, we got we're, we're getting meta here we did the same thing the movie did we brought up a couple of questions when we probably could have had a just as equally fun time just having a fun movie talk without all the moral dilemma questions brought in uh but hey you live you learn and you enjoy stuff so i had a pleasure talking with you guys tonight 
Uh, and of course, we will back, be back next week. Uh, but before we do our whole sign-off thing, I want to let Josh, uh, who is our movie picker for next week, go ahead and tell everybody his movie. None of us know. We're keeping that a surprise from each other until guess. we're recording. You got to guess. What's the guess? Up. Interesting guess. Uh, that is a movie I ah, love, and fuck. I do want to talk about at some point. Uh, but I actually went with Mary Poppins. Oh, okay. Which one? And Yeah, uh, that's what I was supposed to say, too. The, the original uh, Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke. Uh, the, the main reason I went with that, honestly, is I, just, I was seeing uh, Dick Van Dyke being talked about again, and I was just fascinated that somebody who's been around as long as he has is so unanimously well-liked. Like I, I, I feel like he is one of those unique people, separate of like that sort of like uh, Bob Ross, Mister Rogers category of people, where it's just like no, no one has anything bad to say about him, uh, unless I'm oblivious to some horrific thing that happened. Uh, but I don't know. I, I was interested, and I was looking at movies that he was in, and I was like, you know, I, I really need to give uh, Mary Poppins uh, a proper watch because it's been way too long anyway. So I'm excited to uh, to see it with fresh eyes. All right. Okay. Well, it's been a long time since I've watched Mary Poppins as well. Never so remember, that. next week, guys, we'll be discussing Mary Poppins. So if you want to follow along with us, you can watch it throughout the week and uh, meet us back up next week uh, and hear our thoughts on it. And, of course, you can always offer yours back to us. Uh, but I think it's time to close the show off. So thank <coughs> you guys all. Uh, remember, we are in uh, – this is a Narctech production. So if you like video games and want to hear me and my buddy Saul talk about PlayStation, you can head over to YouTube and find us there in video format or on podcast services. It's Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Uh, and of course, this is also there. Uh, this will not be on YouTube since it's audio only. Um, but otherwise, we're all good. Uh, so we will be back next week with you all. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek. I'm fairly positive is what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, all right. Well, this has been Midweek Matinee. We appreciate you guys for listening to us. And we'll be back See you next later, week. Guys. Thank you. Sick. The Belko Experiment is a Fortnite prequel.